Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPNU, ESPN2, listen on Sirius XM80, all of the great ESPN Radio stations across the country, like ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Happy this morning. We're going to talk to Jay Hood, Jonathan Hood, in about 45 minutes about the big night last night for the Bears. They beat the Commanders. What? <laughs> what? They beat, They won a game, first time in 14 games, and they won 40-20 to 20 over the Commanders last night. They snapped that losing streak. Justin Fields has four touchdowns passing, three of them in the first half. DJ Moore, eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns. I think somebody tweeted at me out of Radio. I think he had 49 fantasy points, something like that, which is just ridiculous. Damn. So if you've got DJ Moore, <laughs> which, off. by the way, people would probably put him on their – bench in fantasy because why would you want a Bears wide receiver prior to this game last night but anybody who started him got a monster performance and now the conversation is way more about the Bears than it is the Commanders bad loss for the Commanders so much so that the walking Wikipedia that is Magic Johnson actually tweeted and he remember he owns part of the team and ripped them a little bit for their lack of effort and fire and intensity last night but it was bad but the Justin Fields conversation has become the big one why Because this is a guy that's been a quarterback of the team that constantly loses. We look at the quarterback position in football as the most important position in all of sports. He's the face of the team. They constantly lose. Last night, he looked like a franchise quarterback for one game on one night. Now the question becomes, and reminder, they have the Carolina draft pick this year. Is he the guy or do you try to sell high? No, I, I think you sell high. And, and listen, I loved what Luke Getze did from a play-calling standpoint last night, using Justin Fields' legs as a threat to the defense. There were a lot of design runs early in that game, but I thought the 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 offshoot to that was being able to sprinkle in, sprinkle in some of your third down passing concepts on first and second down. You saw a lot deeper routes on first and second down, them taking shots downfield to DJ Moore, uh, to Cole Komet, and it seemed like they were doing that more often. So I think – them using Justin Fields' legs as a threat to the defense simplified some of the coverages that he saw from the commanders, and Fields and D.J. Moore took advantage of it. So shout-out to them for doing that. I wish I would have seen more of that earlier on this season because it makes it easier for me to entertain the idea of passing on yet another crop of quarterbacks at the top of next year's draft and staying with Justin Fields. But because this team has had this prolonged losing streak, losing 14 straight games, I got to ask myself, does a real franchise quarterback allow his team to lose that many games? I get it. It's been a dumpster fire around him. The head coach, question marks all over the place. The front office, some of the decisions they made, Chase Claypool is the one that's top of mind. Disaster. But at some point, that quarterback has to be able to overcome all of those things. That's why you draft those quarterbacks so high, because they can be the ultimate deodorant. They can mask all of the other things that that stink around the franchise. And and so I got to ask myself, is Justin Fields good enough to be that guy? Can he be a force multiplier when my franchise needs him to? 
if he could, then I don't know that this team loses 14 straight games before last night. But you don't want to wait around to find out, is what you're saying. No. Even though you saw something last night that could have unlocked something in Justin Fields and this offense, yeah. you, if I'm understanding this correctly, you would rather gamble that he's not the guy and take a, a young quarterback and hit the restart button than potentially roll the dice and go with Justin Fields and see if he can continue to build him upon what we saw last well, night. Well, he's made starts across three seasons, right? How long am I supposed to wait for this potential to turn into wins? For the team. Like, that's the thing that I don't think a lot of Bears fans that are calling into us saying stay with Justin Fields get. Like, at some point, like, there's got to be some consistency in what you're doing. It's not just fantasy football, it's not just about gaudy statistics. It's about your quarterback being able to make game winning plays. And sometimes, it, it, even in spite of having a bad defense, your quarterback can have a style of play that allows your offense to be your defense. Keep the other team's offense off the field by having prolonged drives. Justin Fields has all of the tools to be able to do that, but it's too inconsistent in terms of what we get from him from week to week. This is a great two-week stretch, what he's been able to do on Sunday against the Broncos in a loss, what he did last night in a win. But I'm not going to let that conflate what I saw over the three years that he's been the Chicago Bears quarterback which is why I think they should move on. He gets the most pressure because he's the quarterback, but you mentioned the defense. In addition to the losing streak that was snapped last night, 14 straight games the Bears had with 25 or more points allowed, which was mm-hmm. the longest in NFL history. So he's he's not been on a good team. And he hasn't had a number one guy in DJ Moore up until this year. And yes, it, it took longer than expected for us to see that connection with the two of them bear fruit, but we're seeing it now. So. I'm hedging my bet on answering this question, right? Is Mm. he the guy or do you sell high? And the reason I can hedge my bet is because of the fact that I have the Carolina pick. If we pretend the Carolina pick is not ours, if we're we're playing mock Bears GM here, we're Ryan Poles, I'm on board with you. I'm on board because I'm not sure about him. He's in that gray area. He's the maybe. The worst thing you want in life, you either want a yes or a no. Maybe just waste time because you're going to get to a yes or no at, at some point. Justin Fields is in that maybe zone right now. He may be good. May not be good because more examples of him not being good than good. But because I got the Carolina pick, I feel like I can hedge my bet. I can keep him as my starting quarterback and bank on Carolina is going to be bad. So maybe I'll get Caleb Williams anyway and then trade him after the season. But value will be lower after the season. Yeah. But here's here's my question. Would you rather have Justin Fields today or C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud. (laughs) But but again, that's a smaller sample size. Yeah, smaller sample size, but that's a guy you passed on. Yes. Think about that. Like you're talking about passing – not only on those quarterbacks in the 2023 class that we're seeing this year, but you're also going to be talking about passing on a much deeper crop of quarterbacks at the top of next year's draft. So it's not a matter of whether or not Justin Fields can be the guy. It's can Justin Fields be the guy, and is he a better option than these dudes that we could have potentially drafted? The answer has to be no, especially when you factor in the financial aspect of this. This, this team has to make a decision on Fields' option this upcoming spring. That's $23.25 million. And then you're probably talking about them negotiating an extension, paying him $40-plus million a year. Are you really ready to make that kind of commitment to Justin Fields based on what we've seen in 25 games? I'm not. You, he's played 25 games. you got a grand total of six wins. W- what about what he's done would have you – sold or give you the conviction to pass on all of these quarterbacks across the last two drafts that we're going to see. It just doesn't make any sense. You can't keep doing this for a guy that's a maybe. You can't keep doing this for a guy that's a question mark. We make all the excuses in the world for why Justin Fields can't have success. 
But I don't know that if you get it right with the head coach, if you get it right with the general manager, whether or not he's going to be a good quarterback. That is still a coin flip, just like those other quarterbacks coming out in the draft. And if I got to take my chances with the coin flip, I'm going to side with the cheaper option, which is drafting a quarterback rather than staying with Fields. Since we're playing fantasy GM, I made me think of Ryan Poles. We don't know if Matt Eberflus is going to survive this season. I would say it's more likely that he doesn't. Mm -hmm. If you're Ryan Poles, you also buy yourself more runway if you move on from Justin Fields and draft another quarterback. Do, Do you let Ryan Poles make that pick if you're Bears ownership? They might. I they don't might. know. I don't know. Ryan Fields, crispy edge up last night at the at, <laughs> at Thursday Night Football. Came out on the field. They got their first really sharp edge up. Yeah, so, I think when we look at this <laughs> whole that. when we look at this whole situation, it's it's fascinating because I don't know that they could sell higher than today, which is an interesting. And I don't. I mean today, but I mean like right after this game last night yeah. because there's an argument that that's the best game we've ever seen him play. Now. There's an argument because we all watched it and it was a standalone game and he played really well in that, he being Justin Fields and he played really well in that game. You know, what's interesting is as we head into week five here or we continue week five, one of the most interesting storylines we thought before this season would be Jets Broncos for this week. Why? Well, when Sean Payton, head coach of the Broncos, spoke with Jarrett Bell of the USA Today, he said the following. They can only beat the bleep out of you so much. But everybody's got a little stink on their hands. It's not just the quarterback. It was a poor offensive line. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Talking about Jets offensive coordinator, former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. And what's interesting is I thought Sean Payton did that at the time, and I still believe he did that at the time, for the same reason Pete Carroll took basically all of the phone calls for Russell Wilson. I think he was treating Russell Wilson differently. I think he was trying to protect Russell Wilson and look around and say, it wasn't his fault, it was somebody else's fault. People around the league say, hey, you broke a code, you're not supposed to do that. But it's an interesting theme, and I am a Russell Wilson fan, but I also acknowledge it's clear he is treated differently than others, which sometimes is okay. Mm. But this is such an interesting matchup now because both teams kind of stink. Rodgers is not there. Neither of you two are high on Russell Wilson this year at all. And yet you have these two coaches that went back and forth that was supposed to be the big game. And it's not, I guess, anymore. But I still think it's because he protected Russell Wilson. Well, well, here's the thing. It's not a big game for the teams, but I do think it's a big game for the quarterbacks. And even though the coaches are the headline, the quarterbacks is the meat and potatoes in this matchup because the Broncos have to make a decision about Russell Wilson, and the Jets got to make a decision about the future of Zach Wilson. Now, I think most Jets fans are out on Zach being the guy, but Zach did show well in Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. The guy made some big boy throws, especially on the first draft, first drive of the second half in there. So I just think that the talent for Zach is there, but whether or not he can put it together and be consistent remains to be seen. Again, it's the same conversation we're having about Justin Fields in terms of consistency and that matching up with the talent. But I digress. When it comes to Russell Wilson, we got to figure out whether or not he's Sean Payton's guy. Like we, we, This is year two for Russ. And I know it's an ugly contract for the Broncos, but they are pot committed to the head coach in this instance. The quarterback, not so much. If Sean Payton can't fix Russell Wilson, then I think the organization is going to side with Sean in terms of what happens with his future in in, in Denver. And so I, I think I look at this game as an opportunity for Russell Wilson to try to prove to Sean that that's his guy, that's his quarterback moving forward. It's not just about Russ being better than he was last year because that's a low bar to clear, but I think it's proven to Sean that he can play winning football, and this is a prime opportunity against a really good Jets defense. Absolutely. But let's make no mistake about this. 
Sean Payton has to win this game. Whether his intent was to protect his quarterback and change the narrative around his quarterback, he broke, allegedly, the coaching rules, which is that you do not trash one another in the media. He did it very pointedly and very publicly. If the Jets come out and whoop the Broncos, if Zach Wilson and that offense and Nathaniel Hackett have a monster day against Sean Payton's Broncos— we're going to be pointing the finger directly at him on Monday morning. Yeah, he's going to look bad. He's going to look bad. As we go back in time, though, and we remember those comments that I just read, did you have a major issue with those comments by Peyton? No, because I, I read it the same way you did. He was defending Russell Wilson. And that's why – that's what. But makes it does the, put what Small said in, in the bullseye, right? Well, <laughs> because well, it puts it, it well, on him. I, I don't know that it does, though, because I don't look at it as Sean not necessarily living up to the expectation. Sean took over a mess. It was bad as it gets last year for the Denver Broncos. If it didn't work out this year, everybody's going to be pointing to the quarterback. We know that Denver's not getting rid of Sean Payton. They're paying him $18 million a year. Sean's getting that money whether he's coaching for him or not. They traded a first-round pick for him. How many coaches have had first-round picks traded for him? Not a lot. But guess what? With the quarterback? Oh, yeah, we'll move on from him. Because if Sean Payton can't fix him— then nobody in the NFL can. Nobody believes that Sean Payton forgot how to coach the couple of years he's been out of the NFL. At least I don't. So, I mean, if it doesn't work out in Denver, then it would be because of Russell Wilson in that offense not living up to expectations. A very well-paid offense. We talked about it. They are a top-five offense in terms of salary cap allocation in the NFL. If the Broncos are going to win, it has to be by their offense because their defense is god-awful and they didn't invest in it. Russell Wilson is at the center of it. This is more on him than it is on Sean. Coming up, could we see a starting quarterback traded by the deadline next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Hey, Friday night. Heartie's jumping. Feeling right. Dan Graziano's here. All around. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Give me a little something. A little shoulder bop or something. There we go. There we go. There we go. Well done. Dan Graziano joins us. Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Along with Michelle Spoma, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. All right, Dan. We're having everybody weigh in on this after the unbelievable win last night. They came out of nowhere with the Bears over the Commanders 40-20. to Justin Fields, sell high or he's the guy? <laughs> you know, I, I actually have him in fantasy, so I've de- been debating that exact question. <laughs> um, they, their upcoming schedule is not like a lot of tough defenses, right? Like you could get on a roll. They got, I think, Minnesota in there, I think, is their next game, and I, I, uh, Vegas maybe. So, no, I think they're feeling good. I, I think they feel like the group around him is playing so much better these last couple games, and, and his confidence will just keep going up. So, um, yeah, I think they're if if I'm if I'm the Bears, 
If I'm the Bears, I, I, he gets the year, right? Like, I, I need to know by the end of this year what I have. And, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, they're 0-4 start. They're probably not going to be contending for anything. So, yeah, let him continue to build around him and see what you got. Dan, Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor are eligible to come off the yeah. pup list this week. Are, are, chances we see one or both of those guys on Sunday? I think there's a pretty good chance you see Cooper Cup. I really do. I, I think he's ready to go. Uh, he's practicing a full practice yesterday, I believe. Uh, and uh, he's not upset about his contract. He does not want to trade. I think Cooper Cup is the guy that, that is more likely to play of the two. Jonathan Taylor, that was a weird press conference. Like, that was pretty ambiguous, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like he, I don't know exactly. So I, I think there's a chance he will play. I think there's a chance that Jonathan Taylor has reached the conclusion that the best way to get what he wants, which is ultimately a trade if the Colts aren't going to give him the contract, is to play. But I don't know if that necessarily means he plays this week. There's a, enough murkiness around that situation that I think we still need to see it play out a little bit. Dan, let's go back to playing fantasy GM for a second. Okay. Which quarterback would you— thing. I know, it's so yes. fun, right? Which quarterback would you rather have right now, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy? In fantasy? In life, <laughs> if you're building a team, if you're building Purdy's a team, easy in fantasy. I would say, uh, yeah. I mean, well, Purdy. I can, do I get to count everything like the contract? Like, I mean, Brock Purdy's making what eight hundred grand or something? Yeah, right. Point, so, a roommate. Point four percent of the cap, and they're not even allowed to extend him until after twenty twenty four. Like that's in the, it has to be three years in. So like they, he is an absolute steal. Uh, yeah, the way he's playing, I, I don't. I mean, it's not even. I don't even think it's any offense to Dak Prescott to say Purdy, especially when you factor in the age uh, and the salaries. Talk with Dan Graziano, who was dancing earlier on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio here, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let me follow up on Purdy. Let's say he has a big game and they win on Sunday night. Likely. MVP candidate. Well, see, that's the problem, right? Like, like the the MVP case is going to be difficult to make because. You know, it's such a perception award, right? And so, like, Christian McCaffrey is probably MVP right now if, the, if you give it to somebody from that team, even though I think everybody agrees that the quarterback is, is more valuable. But I think there's a sense of, like, accurate and fair or not, I think there's a sense of Purdy being a product of, you know, Kyle Shanahan and the group around him and all that. That certainly underrates what he's doing. But I do think that, that there's some element of that that he has to overcome if he's ever going to win that award. Dan, we got the Hackett Bowl out in Denver this mm. weekend with the Jets taking on the Denver Broncos. And Sean Payton absolutely roasted yes. offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett this offseason about the job he did last year. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, who is this a bigger game for, the Jets or the Broncos? I think it's a bigger game for the Jets. Hmm, that's a good question. I would say the Jets because they, they need to string together a couple good Zach Wilson starts in order to feel good about where he is and where they are. So the thing about Hackett I can't figure out is like, yeah, I'm sure he's furious about what Peyton said and he would love to get revenge. But like, you know, he's not a pass rusher. Like, how do you <laughs> – you're not going to like call an angry game, yeah. right? So like how does that manifest itself? Can he motivate his players to sort of play on his behalf with that – revenge mindset in mind. So so I don't know. I think he's probably going to have to, you know, he's probably going to have to, you know, tamp it down emotionally before uh, the, 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 the kickoff uh, because he's not, he's, it's not, he's not playing. Like, he can't go out there all fired up. He's got to call a smart game. I, I think it's, it's an interesting game because Denver's defense is so horrendous. Oh. And uh, if Zach Wilson was ever going to put together a, a streak of two straight really good starts— uh, this is it. This is the opportunity. And if he doesn't, then we're right back to where we were two weeks ago. 
those comments that Sean Payton made about Nathaniel Hacken yeah. and Nathaniel Hackett, excuse me, he was essentially defending Russell Wilson. He was saying that what so was he al- says. so he says, right. well, <laughs> but he said what was allowed in the facility with Russ, it was on them, it was on the parents essentially. But then you have Marshawn Lynch mm-hmm. in conversation with Shannon Sharp, reinforcing some of the things that we've heard about Russ that he had to have a liaison in between communicating with him, and that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks mm-hmm. staff protected him. Have you ever heard, you've covered the NFL for a long time? Have you ever heard? Um, Another quarterback that kind of has these storylines around him like that, that it's hard for his teammates to communicate with him? Not one that's been that successful, certainly. That's the thing that's amazing about Russell Wilson is you hear all these former teammates taking shots at him all the time, like for the past several years. (laughs) And yet you go back and you realize how good a player he was in Seattle and how much success they had. So I guess that's a compliment to the coaching staff to, to be able to have kept it together like that. Like, it's, it's like, you know, for years in Pittsburgh, you heard about, you know, teammates and Ben Roethlisberger, right? And, and all this stuff that, that went on in that locker room. And, you know, Mike Tomlin held it together and won a lot of games. So, you know, that's, that's a matter of knowing what you have and how to manage it. And, and if Pete Carroll and the coaching staff there felt like that's how Russell had to be managed and it rubbed other players the wrong way, they, they won a whole bunch of games doing it. So if you're Sean Payton and you get there and you've got to figure out how to get Russell Wilson back to what he used to be, um, maybe tough love at this point in Russell's career was what was needed, but uh, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes between the two of them. I'm sure there's a lot of building up his confidence as well. Dan, Joe Burrow called this a must-win game <laughs> against the Cardinals on Sunday. Now, we didn't expect the Bengals would be 1-3, and three, Nope. but is this a must-win game for Cincinnati, or yes. are they already done? Well, uh, well, no, no, they're not already done because uh, I think they have the infrastructure there that they can come back. I mean, we saw them win 10 games in a row last year. Like mm-hmm. that, That's a thing they can do. The question with the Bengals is how healthy is Burrow and how healthy is he going to be all year? That's that's the wild card here. They they have it within themselves to recover from a one and three start and make the playoffs uh, and be as good as anybody. But if the quarterback is not healthy and he's not a hundred percent, then that that throws a major wrench into the works, especially at one and three. So yeah, I think it's a must win game. I think I think the next few games are must win games. They're buys in week seven. Yep, uh, week right? seven. Oh, and there it, it is. Yep, yeah, yep. so. If they were to go into the bye at three and three, and he's feeling good, and he can get some rest that week, I think that that's a that's a really good spot. So they can come back from one and three. They can't come back from one and four. They can't come. They can't come back from Joe Burrow being hurt. hurt. But yeah. look at this. Like the Seahawks are a good team. The Forty ers and Bills. Like that's if you don't win this game, you know you could be one and seven. Right, it's like yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's a must win, which yeah. is a whole different wrinkle because if you look at the bad teams who could be atop the draft, they're the only one that would actually have a quarterback, which is actually a really oh. interesting wrinkle on all of this. Look, they don't want this to happen, but the Bengals with a top ten draft pick, like that would be pretty nasty, right? Like that, because they, 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 they obviously a very good team that just having uh, a bad year. Dan, final thing quickly here: uh, Jaguars, Bills, London. If Buffalo wins the game, are they the best team in the AFC? I think they. Are, I think right now they already are. I, I think by the end of the year, it, it probably you have to say it's the Chiefs. They deserve that benefit of the doubt. But the way the two teams have played so far, I think you got to give it to Buffalo. Dan Graziano, of course, ESPN NFL reporter, insider. He's going to be covering the Patriots and the Saints. He'll be on Get Up at 8 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Thank you as always for the time. Coming up for the haters on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. All right, there has to be an explanation here, so we have to explain this. Okay, it is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. I think we've learned that Pat Costello has just taken over the show, one of our producers. Uh-huh. He has things going on in his head yep. that he just puts through the show. Yeah, He literally said to us behind the scenes here, in a break, who can name any of the Baja men who sing Who Let the Dogs Out? We're like... Nobody. Yeah. So then he plays Who Let the Dogs Out as a result. He says yeah. to Javante, we need this song, and we got it now. Yeah. No, for, no, for, nobody for the, can For the dogs. It. For the dogs. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Because his whole thing was, are there bands and groups in music where you're familiar with songs and the bands, but you don't know anybody in them? Yeah. He said, Baja Men. Cool. That's so, a great answer. Yeah. Well, we don't know anybody as part of that. None we do know them. the Roads to the World Series is going through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action beginning tomorrow. ESPN Radio, ESPN App. All right, time now for the haters. So what do we do here? We pick storylines going into the weekend that would be perfect for the haters. For the people that Michelle Smallman thinks are sitting in their basement. <laughs> and what is their what does their voice sound like, Smalls? The Cowboys can never beat the 49ers. Dak Prescott's always gonna turn the ball over in a big moment. He can't beat quality opponents. That does not sound like a hater voice, but that is the Smalls version. You don't think so? It sounds like a hater voice. Thank, I got it. I got you. it, Smalls. It, it hit with me. I got thank you. You. you know See, what I'm saying. See, the thing is, Smalls is so sweet and kind and wonderful that I don't think she has a hater voice in her. I think she's too nice. Here we go. Now, I do. Your check's in the mail, by yeah. the way. Right. <laughs> so here we go. The haters this weekend mm. will love if the Cowboys get destroyed by the Niners. Love it. Oh, yeah. I would love it, too, because I picked the Cowboys. <laughs> You're a hater. I don't know if you realize the playoff. <laughs> I, must, I must be a Cowboys hater. But here's the thing. That's it's right. not just a matter of them losing. It's how they lose. And quite literally, there is no path to the Cowboys beating the 49ers on the road that doesn't involve Dak Prescott playing really well. So if, they, if he doesn't play well and they end up losing, all of the questions that we've had about Dak the last couple of years will be front and center. Don't just take my word for it. Take Jerry's word for it. Jerry said that if we maximize what we're doing with Dax and execute, there's no reason we can't play well enough to get a win. He's putting his quarterback on notice. He mentioned him by name. He didn't mention any other player. So this is Jerry saying, Dak, go out there and get me a win for the 49ers. So it's not just for the Cowboys haters, but it's also for the Dak haters if they lose this weekend to Brock Purdy-led San Francisco 49ers. Jerry just didn't put Dak on notice. Dak? 
Dak put himself on notice yeah. in the comments that he made. And everybody obviously points to the lack of success that he's had versus this team specifically mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And he said things have to change. He said, quote, for one, my play, simple as that. Go back and turn on that tape. I wasn't my best in either of those games and wasn't close to it. That last one, two to three plays away from winning that game. You all right? <laughs> fumble! <laughs> that- he dropped a pen. He was literally like was diving for a fumble there. My God. He's so he's so conditioned as a former defensive lineman. Ball on the ground! Yeah. Ball on the ground! I got a pen on the ground! It was like Jordan Montgomery the other that night happened. diving off that the mound. It was impressive. Anyway, so to, to wrap it all up here, he pointed the finger at himself saying, in order for us to win this game and for us to be the team we want to be, it's on me. Yep. I have to play better. So for the haters, it would be that Dak and the Cowboys and Jerry have not shied away from that this week leading up to the game, and then Dak turns the ball over a lot and they get destroyed. Uh, no question, next one for the haters is an easy one. That Sean Payton, after talking the junk about Nathaniel Hackett, which was warranted in terms of Hackett's critique, maybe you want to say Sean Payton should have done that. Hackett was not a good NFL head coach. Didn't even make it through one season. For the haters, though, Sean Payton gets outdueled by Nathaniel Hackett, and Nathaniel Hackett, Jets offensive coordinator, puts up like 40 against Sean Payton for the haters. Yeah, I mean, Sean will catch all the smoke if they lose to the Jets, but the fire will be lit under Russell Wilson internally because Russ might not be Sean Payton's guy, and ownership will give him enough leash, enough runway to move on from Russ and transition to a guy that he wants, somebody that he handpicks. This is what it ultimately comes down to. If Russell Wilson can't outduel Zach Wilson, then why the hell are we paying Russell Wilson $50 million a year? That is the question, well, the quarter of a billion dollar question that Broncos ownership has to get answered. And this weekend goes a long ways for them answering it. So, yeah, for the haters would be the Broncos losing and Sean Payton, um, you know, getting his nose rubbed in it. But ultimately, this becomes an indictment on Russell Wilson. And I think it lays some more of the groundwork for them to get ready to move on from him. Everything we've kind of seen so far this season is really lining up well if you love Nathaniel Hackett for some reason for him to get his licks back versus Sean Payton. Mm -hmm. This is a Denver Broncos defense that's not good. The Dolphins put up 70 points Mm. against them. Mm. Zach Wilson just had the best game of the season, most likely one of the best games of his career when he went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. He played outstanding and he should have won that game. He's got confidence in himself. He and Nathaniel Hackett are gelling. They're going against the guy who ripped him and ripped them publicly in the offseason, I could totally see the Jets' offense destroying this Broncos' defense and Sean Payton having a rough Monday. Eh, Broncos are going to win. Russ is going to be great. Uh, for the <laughs> haters. Of course you think For that. the haters. Is this really for the haters, Lamar struggling against the Steelers? I mean, is there really that, that many people out there that still hate on Lamar Jackson no. that look at him and say he's not that good? You know why this is in for the haters? Because there's a lot of hate in the Raven-Steelers rivalry. Well, that's different. That's 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 why this is for the haters. haters. Let me do it again. For the haters. Anything that happens in the Ravens and Steelers game, that's better than Lamar Jackson. Well, think about it, right? If the Ravens lose, then there'll be questions about Lamar and Ty Munkin's offense. If the Steelers lose, the volume on whether or not Mike Tomlin should be the head coach is going to get turned up. So either way, there's something for the haters in this matchup. But one thing that people need to know about Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson wins. I mean, outside of Pat Mahomes, no quarterback has a better winning percentage in the NFL right now than Lamar Jackson for their career. No quarterback. Like, when are we going to get this dude his flowers, man? He already got an MVP, and they still talking about, well, yeah, I don't know if Lamar is elite. Really? He's got an MVP. All this dude does is win when he starts. 
It doesn't matter what it looks like. Lamar plays good ball. Yeah, for the haters would be him struggling against the Steelers. But if you know anything about the Steelers-Ravens rivalry, then you know that it's always going to be a slog. Nobody's going to blow anybody out. But if it were to happen, this would be the time where it would with the Baltimore Ravens. So the haters are the Steelers. And if Lamar struggles, I can just imagine how the haters would pounce on that. Yeah. But you're right, Lamar, we don't. Always put him in those conversations, those MVP conversations. We've had more conversations about Brock Purdy being the MVP than we have Lamar, who's won the award before. Okay, wait, hold on. And I understand why, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, we don't we don't always bring Lamar's name up when we have these conversations about elite quarterbacks. I want to respond to that. So I'm, I brought up Brock Purdy that he should be in the conversation if they win this weekend and if he has a great game. In my head, Lamar's already there. Oh, okay. Right, ahead. but I'm saying, but you're right in general. I'm just saying, from my perspective, Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate. We sleep on them. They're three and one. He's the best player on the team. Corny joke coming. You ask when are we going to give them their flowers? They drafted him in the first. Oh. There you go. Well done. Look at this you guy. Well done. Well done. Corny joke. Well done. Just because you don't want to get to the last one for the haters. That's right. right. That's, that's right. what this he's is about. Uh, yeah, he's for deflecting. the haters, Mac Jones of New England struggles in a loss to the Saints. Here's the thing. The haters <laughs> will be everywhere. Patriots fans, too. He will have no supporters if he struggles this weekend. Yeah, that's about right. Maybe his parents. That's about right. I mean, listen, I don't, even, I don't even know if they can justify <laughs> the Patriots staying with this dude. But listen, this is not an indictment on Mac Jones as much as it is about the franchise. Like, Bill Belichick hired a defensive coordinator to be his play caller in year two on the offensive side for Mac Jones. That makes absolutely no sense at all. So I think they stunted Mac Jones' development, his overall growth, and how he sees the game. And it's not a surprise to me that those struggles have continued to bleed over from year two to year three. And then given the fact that they don't have a lot of explosive weapons on the outside of this offense, nobody that threatens the defense, it's no wonder that Mac Jones has struggled so much. So, yeah, for the haters would be a Mac Jones struggling on the road against a really good Saints defense, but really it's an organizational failure more so than Mac's failure. I'm with you. For the haters, if Mac struggles, we already have this certain perception of Mac Jones. The haters are going to pounce on Bill Belichick. You know, RG3 was on Get Up saying he permanently ruined this quarterback. And so if Mac Jones continues to struggle, I feel like that narrative is only can... We're going to throw more logs on that fire. This is Bill Belichick's fault. He can't win without Tom Brady. Is this the end for him? Each and every Friday, we will script it for the haters. What the haters will be loving this week We're going to get back into the Bears and what an unbelievable win from last night. Did they find their guy long term? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. 
The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPNU, SiriusXM80, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, including ESPN 1000 in Chicago. We're Cap and Jay Hood with David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood on at 7 a.m. Central Time after us every single morning. And Jay Hood, Jonathan Hood, joins us now to talk about the Chicago Bears, okay? Uh, Jay Hood, let's start with this. <laughs> Justin Fields, Justin Fields, sell high or they found their guy? Uh, no, I think they found their guy for the rest of the season because you don't have to necessarily make a deal right now, Evan. I mean, the whole thing is, like, with football, it's not like baseball or basketball where there's a trade deadline that you must make a, a, a major deal. I think that at the end of the season, you could make a determination whether or not Justin Fields is the guy or not. Uh, I just don't understand. I understand Canty's point, but I think also you have to look at football in that you have an entire season to find out if they can turn the corner. Will it be a winning season? No, but you'll know whether or not Justin's the guy, thumbs up or thumbs down at the end of this. Well, here's the question that I have, Jay Hood. It's not just a matter of whether or not I think Justin Fields will be good. It's whether or not I think Justin Fields will be good and better than the quarterbacks that came out in 2023 and 2024's draft class. The opportunity cost that the franchise is faced with by deciding to stay with the guy that you still have significant questions on. My thing was there's no world in which you could justify the Bears not once but twice passing on top-tier quarterback talent in the draft for a guy that's still a question mark, a guy that was your starter in the midst of a 14-game losing streak. So I guess my question would you, to you would be, could you see a world where the Chicago Bears actually do that, where they have a top pick, whether it's their own or the Carolina Panthers, passing on yet another crop of quarterbacks to stay with Justin Fields? No, I, I think that at the end of this season, you can say, hey, we can still look at a top quarterback like a Caleb Williams or one of the top uh, quarterbacks and still say, all right, Justin, we appreciate what you did. we got to move on. And here's why I can say that. Because this is not necessarily Ryan Pohl's guy. It's not necessarily Matt Eberflus's guy. This is from the previous regime. So this is why this was a 17-week evaluation of what Justin Fields could do uh, under this regime under Ryan Pace, uh, under Ryan Pohl. So – I have no problem with the Bears being able to turn the script, turn the page off to another young quarterback. But I also want to say this, though. You know, we start to look at quarterbacks, like we look at starting pitchers, as if it's a one-loss record. If the team loses, it's on the quarterback. No, you got to remember last year, that was a tanking season. 
you try to throw balls to, to Smith, Marset, and Faye Brown, the wrong Faye Brown. The wrong Faye Brown. The idea, the idea that we're looking at quarterbacks like like starting pitchers, like well, he's only won five or six games. No, that defense was horrible. I mean, if anything about the Chicago Bears, you know they've been about running the football and playing good defense. Well, that's out all on Justin Fields. So, so Chris, I'm saying that at the end of the season. I have no problem with the Bears saying, okay, Justin, we saw what we need to see. We'll move on to a younger quarterback. But, again, the question still stands, who coaches that new quarterback? That's another layer that we got to talk about as well. Absolutely, Jay Hood. Six, it's so good to talk to you, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Aww. I know that they're coming out after a win today, and we're talking about Justin Fields, but what about Matt Eberflus? There was conversations that we had yesterday. If they lose this game, is he going to even be in the building after this? How long is the leash for Matt Eberflus? Could you see them make a move in season? Well, it's, it's never happened before, and I will just say this. If you are a Chicago manager or coach, you have to have a mustache. I just knew he was dead man walking. The idea, he comes in clean-shaven, he's got his hair, he's kind of like you know, more Randy Fund more than Pat Riley. Randy Fund! I, I, I look at a guy here that if he does not have a mustache, Evan, uh, you know, it's not going to work. It worked with Ozzie Gein, it worked with uh, Joe Madden, of course, it worked with Mike Dicka, Joel Quinville. If you're going to win a championship, you got to have a mustache. So Iberflus, dead man walking. I said at the time that he was hired, when we had the breaking news on ESPN 1000, Matt Iberflus, the head coach, I go, He's never going to see the next new stadium in all night. He'll never see it unless he's a visitor. Wow. I'll tell you, that means Joe, Joe Fortenbaugh a chance to coach the Bears at some point, and that'll be interesting on Monday <laughs> when you have Iberflus on and you tell him that. Talk with Jonathan Hood, of course, Captain J. Hood, ESPN 1000, um, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike, brought to you by and presented by, excuse me, Progressive Insurance. J. Hood, let's change gears. Obviously, a somber note before the game last night, the passing of Dick Butkus. Tell everybody across the country what Butkus meant to Chicago, the Bears, and the entire community there. He's, he cared so much about the Chicago Bears. Obviously, we know what the resume says for Dick, and he meant so much to the city. He kept coming back and always had a comment, always had a thought uh, about the Chicago Bears. So he wasn't like he was done with the Bears and never returned. But the best uh, Butkus story I could tell you is that I worked with his uh, linebacker mate, Doug Buffone, because Doug and Dick were synonymous as linebackers in that defense. And we worked together. We did afternoon drive together, and the phone rings. And Doug picks up the phone and says, hello, Buffon. And all you could hear on the other end was, <laughs> okay, I got to go. See you later, Dick. I go, Doug, what was that? He goes, that was Dick Buckus. He's not a fan of Erlacher. He thinks he's too fast. He's not tough enough. <laughs> it just shows you that Dick was still into the Bears watching every week, and he wanted Erlacher to knock the one's block off like he did as a, as a linebacker. That's how much he cared. He loved the Chicago Bears and uh, – you know, it's a, it's a somber day. We're happy that the Bears won first win in almost, almost 350 days, but Butkus still meant a lot. Even though you might have lived in California, you still came to Chicago and talked about the Bears and loved this franchise. Jay Hood, you are the best. Thank you so much for the insight. We appreciate it in the mustache breakdown. That was great. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, ESPN 1000. All right, there he goes. Uh, Jonathan Hood, Captain Jay Hood, weekday morning, 7 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Jay Hood's the best. And uh, I knew Eberflus could be in trouble because Chicago coaches and managers need to have a mustache. <laughs> I mean, what, what a line on that one. Again, th- there's an aspect with Fields that there is a splitting the difference. And, and now, CeCe, never at any point have you said Justin Fields is not good or could not be good. Yeah. It's that you believe the other guys could potentially be better and it resets the quarterback and the other guys are cheaper 
Like, yeah. Remember, it's still an if proposition. Like we're saying, well, we don't know if any of these quarterbacks in the draft are going to work out. Well, hell, we don't know if Justin Fields is going to work out. So if I've got to take my chances with an if, then why not lean toward the younger quarterbacks that are also the cheaper options over the next three years? You've got to make a decision on Justin Fields' fifth-year option in 2024 offseason. You're probably going to look to extend him if you pass on all of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. So I just don't see Justin Fields doing enough to commit to him in that way. And if I don't see that, then why am I holding on to him? What is it exactly that I'm hoping for this year? Okay, is it an audition? Do I think Justin Fields can play well enough where I can flip him for a first rather than a second-round pick? I guess you could make the case for that, but there's also the risk of injury in devaluing what you're going to get from him in the offseason. So again, I come back to, if this dude is not going to be a part of my long-term future, if I don't have that conviction right here now today, then go ahead and trade him before the deadline to a team that's desperate to upgrade at the quarterback position for this season. That's why I think you sell high, especially after what we've seen him do in back-to-back games. Quick answer on this is we're talking about Butkus as well, right, with the, the sad passing of him. When I, if I were to say to you yesterday, best linebacker, or today obviously, best linebacker you ever saw in person? He's right out there. I mean, in well, person. Well, not in person, but best oh, Ray, uh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Yeah. Ray Lewis. It, but it's Ray, Ray Lewis, Lewis was more like Dick Butkus. Lawrence Taylor, it's almost like they played different Ray Lewis, at the right? height of his powers, was coming down and knocking offensive linemen's faces off. Oof. Like, I mean, Ray Lewis would come in. Like, he was, he was a guy that would take on the blocker and shed him and then make the tackle. A lot of linebackers need to be covered up by defensive tackles. Ray Lewis wasn't that dude for the majority of his career. Like, when he was in his prime, there was nobody that was doing it better. Coming up, Bears win last night, obviously, but was that actually a good thing long-term for the franchise? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.